On this episode of The Sanchez Show, Andrew Salem, host of Combo's Court Podcast, joins the show. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to his podcast. It's amazing. You've heard him here on our platform before, uh, as well as Real Fans Real Talk. Whenever we talk basketball, Combo's included, man. One of the very few, very bright guys when it comes to talking basketball. We're not talking ESPN wearing you down with a bunch of stats. We're talking about really knowing and understanding the game. Drew brings that all the time, man. So we had to call him up for this one as we talk about the second round of the playoffs. We talk about the Nets. We talk a little bit about some rookies as well. Shorter episode because we're going to work on some things in the future because the draft is right around the corner. And obviously, we don't we don't want to bog him down with too much stuff right now because, again, we're going to talk as the playoffs continue to progress. But I felt it was time to check in with him, get an idea of what he thought about the second round. Obviously, injuries may rob us of some great matchups here. And then also, I wanted to know about, you know, what he thought about the Nets. Let him take his victory lap on Scotty Barnes because he was he was very early on Scotty when, when other people didn't really see the talent. But I think you guys are going to enjoy the episode. Later in the week, I'm going to give you guys a preview and slight breakdown of the upcoming Canelo Alvarez fight, uh, as well as, you know, just touching base on what's going on with the playoffs. We're going to get into some baseball talk real soon as my Mets are off to a great start. But I'm, I'm saving that. I don't want to jump out the window just yet on the Mets. With that being said, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, The Sanchez Show, screaming across all major platforms. Make sure you follow me on social media. It's Legend in Two Games completely spelled out. Shoot me a like, shoot me a comment. And as I always mentioned, I'll open up the platform for any great sports debate. So if there's a topic you want to hear discussed right here, don't be scared to send over the question, man. We'll get into it. And if you're brave enough, you can join the show. With that being said, let's get to it. What's really good and welcome back to another episode of The Sanchez Show. As always, I'm your host, Eric Sanchez, a.k.a. Legend in Two Games. It's playoff season. The games mean something. We're into the second round. So, of course, I had to place the call. I had to get my man, Andrew Salop, on here, host the Convos Court. Drew, how you doing today? I'm doing great. It's always great being on your platform. Thank you for having me back. And it's always great talking basketball with a true professional such as yourself. I appreciate that, man. And that's how I feel about you. That's why every time we get into the thick of things with the NBA season or the draft, you're the first person I call, man. Yeah, your I, opinion matters. I appreciate that. I get the first call. It's amazing, man. And I am here. <laughs> I am here to talk basketball. <laughs> so let's get into it. Second round of the playoffs uh, officially kicked off today. We saw the Boston-Milwaukee game. And then obviously we just, uh, within the last 30 minutes, really Golden State and, and Memphis finished up. Let's start with Golden State-Memphis. I want to get your thoughts on this game. Obviously, Memphis is the two seed, but it looks like Golden State is the favorite to win this series. What were your thoughts before game one? Who did you have? And then has that changed with the, um, you know, the, the, the end of game one? You know, it's funny. I tweeted out what I think would happen in game one of of the Boston series, Boston Bucks. But I didn't really put too much thought into or I didn't tweet anything about who would win um, this series, the first game between Memphis and the Warriors. But I would say I did think Warriors were going to win the series. And even if Memphis won today, I would still think Warriors were going to win the series, especially that Draymond got ejected. So I'm like, Memphis has a great chance to win this game. But I mean, the Warriors are still going to be the series. Memphis doesn't think that they're like, they don't look at themselves as a young team. They look at themselves as like, we're ready to win a championship now. But I do think they're still one more year away. Um, and I do think the Warriors will win this series. I agree. I, I had the Warriors winning this series. I thought five, maybe six games. Mm. But I thought Memphis blew a golden opportunity today, man. 100%. Uh, 
100%. Again, Draymond getting kicked out. Steph and Clay didn't really play too well. Clay missed the two free throws late. And then Memphis got almost 80 combined points between Jackson and Ja. And you lose game one at home. I think it's a tall task to ask for them to, to come back and, and find a way to win four out of the next six games in the series. Yeah, I agree with you for all the reasons you just said. Jaron Jackson Jr. dropped 33. Who knows if that happens again? Ja had a crazy stat line. Um, he hasn't been totally consistent with high numbers. He, his numbers weren't too crazy in the first series. So we don't know if he's going to be able to keep that up. But I agree with you, man. Draymond got ejected. I don't think that should have been an ejection, in my opinion. I don't know how you feel about that. But with that happening, you got to win that game if to give yourself a chance. And as I said, even if Memphis did win that first game, I would have Warriors winning this series. Yeah, I agree. I don't I don't think game one was going to change my thought on who wins the series. But right. again, to give yourself a chance, you, you got to find a way to win that game. And I agree. That was not uh, a flagrant two by Draymond. Uh, the refs got a little got a little too cute there, I think, personally. But I, I mean, it speaks to the championship uh, mentality that Golden State has, that they were able to overcome it, come out strong in the second half. Clay got himself going. Uh, and to the other point, too, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to watch because Ja has struggled as far as numbers, especially on the road. They flashed a graphic where I think he's scoring like 13 more points a game at home. Yeah, it is crazy. I mean, it's usually the role players that play that much better at home, but it seems to be that way with Ja. Yeah, man, um, I don't think Memphis could win this one, but you never know, man. It's the playoffs and it's fun. <laughs> yeah, it is. Did, did you think, or what were your thoughts, I should say, on, on Ja winning most improved player? I personally don't think he should have got the award, but. Yeah, I mean, when you're an MVP level player, I don't think you should be in the most uh, most improved player award category anymore. I mean, he gave the award to Desmond Bain because I think he knew, like, look, man, this is more like a Desmond Bain level player award than a John Morant level player award. Like, this really isn't for Ja anymore. When you're MVP level, I don't think you should be in like contention for MIP award. That's just my opinion. It's for more like emerging players. At that point, Jao has already emerged. Yeah. Yeah. I just, to me, when you're number three in the draft, when you've been a fringe all-star your first couple of years in the league, I mean, yeah, again, the, the, the improvement is you being an MVP caliber player, but not most improved. Most improved to me is, is Jordan Poole. It's Desmond Bain. You know, it's yeah. those guys who, who are rotational guys who now have found their niche in the league. And I mean, Jordan Poole, he was in the G League last year. Now we're talking about Jordan Poole as a, as a key figure in Golden State's potential run. Yeah, man, it's amazing how all these G League guys are becoming really good NBA players. We look at even GP2 on that team who was a G League guy. Um, I think Chris Middleton was a G League guy. I mean, I know he's injured now, but it's like amazing how much the G League has evolved and it's great to see. And they're adding things like the G League Ignite. I feel like a lot of those guys are sleepers this year. So yeah, man, the G League is such a it doesn't even get enough like notoriety, I think. I think that league is like a lot better than people think. I I like what we're seeing from the G League. Uh, and I don't want to take too much time on that. But and your point to the Ignite, and, and we're gonna obviously get into some of those guys come draft time. But I like it. I like the development and I like the opportunity for some of the young guys who sometimes you come into the league. You don't really know your niche. You don't know your place in the league. And so it requires you to go to the G League and figure it out a little bit. And so mm -hmm. I, I do like that part of it. I, it's something that was long overdue, and I'm glad to see it for the young guys. Most definitely. I totally agree. It's a great you, platform for those guys. You mentioned Chris Middleton. I know you're very high on him. You, oh, yeah. Before they won a championship, you spoke highly of, of Chris Middleton and his impact on his team. He's yeah. out, but Milwaukee found a way to be scrappy today and win. 
Giannis was being Giannis. I've I've on record as already saying I think Giannis is the best player in the world. This was before the Nets were swept, and I want to get your opinions on the Nets a little bit later too. Can Giannis do this over a course of a seven-game series against Boston, and will this team to win this series? I think he could do very well. I do think Boston will win this series, and I did think that Milwaukee was going to get the first game um, because just that adjustment of going up against a player like Giannis, that level of physicality, the Nets had nobody like that, and that would take an adjustment. And also, I mean, the Bucks are just an all-around uh, better team, and they played a really novel-type defense against the Nets that would probably only work against the Nets. And I think it would it was going to take a one-game adjustment for them to adjust to this Milwaukee Bucks team. And I did think that because of that, um, the Celtics were going to lose game one, but eventually win the series. And it's, and the re- and a big reason is I think they'll eventually win the series because Chris Middleton is out. Yeah, I, I thought, so it's a great point. The physicality is one thing. I also just think that the team style that Milwaukee plays, uh, the Nets play so much my turn, your turn, that like you said, it's easy to kind of defend against that. Milwaukee moves the ball, you know, they swing it around, different guys get involved. So that's tougher. But also Boston was off for like a week. And you can't just turn that light switch back on. Like, you know, the, the playoff intensity, people always talk about it. We know it's different. But Milwaukee has been grinding it out. They had to play two games without Chris Middleton. Boston was pretty much sitting at home since Monday. So there wasn't much, you know, real intensity in that locker room. And then I have to put that, flip that switch now against Giannis and him coming downhill the way he was. I, I agree. It's an adjustment. I just think it, it was phenomenal how physical Milwaukee was in this, in this game today. And it wasn't just him. They controlled the boards. They just seemed like a team that was playing a playoff game against a team that was just kind of like just showing up to the court. Yeah, I mean, look, Boston didn't have the same level of aggressiveness and it was really apparent. Maybe part of that is when you have guys like Drew and Giannis banging against you, (laughs) it's not it's not as sweet, right? It's not as sweet out there because, you know, you're going to feel that when those guys are banging with you, Um, you know, Kyrie and KD, who I think are phenomenal players, they're not hitting you with that type of physicality. And I think that's part of the reason why the Celtics weren't as aggressive this game. But I do think they will adjust over the course of this series. I agree. Um, Milwaukee, right? We've had plenty of conversations about them. And and really, the narrative about Milwaukee has really changed, obviously, with them winning the championship last year and the way we view them now, prior to all of that. But I want to use them as, as kind of like a case study in comparison to some of these other teams that have tried to build the big three and, and go about it the fast way. It hasn't worked for Brooklyn. It hasn't worked for the Lakers. I mean, Lakers did get the bubble championship, but other than that, they've struggled with this big th- with with their two big guys and then adding a third star. It hasn't really paid off for the Clippers yet. Do you think we're at a point in the league where we're going to start to see the shift from focusing on building mega teams and big threes to more team chemistry and building it through the draft? Most definitely, because I think the middle of the road NBA player is closer to the superstar than ever before, right? Like these what you would call average NBA players are a lot better than ever. So you need complete teams to win championships these days. And I do think also heliocentric type offense, offenses that are evolved around one person, it's going to become harder and harder to win. And there's really been only like one player who's actually won like that. And his name is LeBron James. Like even Michael Jordan was playing within a system. It wasn't everything revolved around him. Like it was LeBron James in a lot of ways, you know, like he would hit the post, he would hit different areas of the court. Uh, Scotty would play some point guard. Obviously, they had point guards like B.J. Armstrong, whoever the point guard was at the time. 
I mean, LeBron really did so much and he won championships like that. And that's not the best way to win championships, but LeBron was so good at it, he almost defied the odds. So I do think it's tougher for players like Trey and Luka to win championships. But Luka is that guy that's so good that I think he has a chance to defy the odds and win that way. But that's not the easiest way to win a championship. And um, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think you could build around one or two players anymore. I think you need a full team. Kind of like the Memphis Grizzlies. It's it's like how the Memphis Grizzlies are going about things. Yes, they have their best player, but it's more that he's blending in with the rest of his team than having everything revolve around him. Yeah, I, I just feel like we're getting to that point because we're starting to see, as you mentioned, the middle uh, middle of the pack NBA players closer to the superstar, but then you see the impact and the, and the grind of a whole season. And so the, LeBron is the outlier. He is the one guy that has defied, defied the odds obviously in the way he's aged as well. But everybody else, it's very tough for them to keep up that grind and carry your team through an 82-game season and then be the sole focus of the offense for four rounds to win a championship. And I use Milwaukee because Milwaukee built it that way. Granted, you, you get Drew Holiday in a trade, but they made some smart moves in the offseason, obviously, when you bring in guys like Lopez and Matthews and you build it through the draft and you, and you do it the right way around your superstar as opposed to saying, we're clearing, out, we're clearing the books, we're going after the two biggest guys we can get this year, and let's figure it out. It hasn't worked for the Clippers. It hasn't worked for Brooklyn. What 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 would be the adjustment you would make if you're the Clippers or Brooklyn, like I said, seeing how it hasn't worked for you? Well, with the Clippers, I really do think it's about health, right? They need to see how that thing goes when Paul George and Kawhi could play again. And the other team you said was the Nets? Right. Oh, man. Yeah, the Nets, they need to prioritize keeping Bruce Brown and um, maybe Nicholas Claxton as well and hope Joe Harris gets back. Ben Simmons will be back. I don't think you fire Nash. That's just my opinion. I think you give him one more year because it was such a crazy season. And you find some younger athletes who could shoot the ball, who could defend. And obviously, it's the same thing for the Lakers. I think the Nets have some more flexibility maybe than the Lakers do, man. The Lakers with that Russ contract, it's just going to be really tough. So, yeah, I think, you know, when it comes to the Nets, it's uh, – you know, see how things go with Ben. Obviously, you have KD and Kyrie back healthy. Hopefully, Joe Harris comes back healthy. And um, give give yourself a full preseason and see how that season looks. I don't think it's any time. To, I don't think it's time for panic mode for the Nets as it might be for the Lakers. As a Knicks fan, I'm so happy you said that Brooklyn should run it back. Because who doesn't enjoy a good train wreck? Run it right back. Bring Steve Nash <laughs> back. Let Ben Simmons get acclimated. Let Kyrie miss 20-something games. Run it back, man. I, I just think Brooklyn, I, I agree. I think Brooklyn is in a far better situation than the Lakers are. Because I don't know what, even if the Lakers can move Russ's contract, what are you moving it for? What, yeah. what do you, what do you know? I, I mean, are you going to try to find a shooter, a shooter or two? It, it's still very tough to move that contract and then get quality back because they have other issues. Well, Anthony Davis is another guy who struggles to stay healthy throughout the whole season. So I don't know how that works with him and LeBron. But if you're Brooklyn, I don't think it gets much better than this. Yeah, I agree with you. Also, like, what are you going to do? Like, Kyrie and KD are going to be the two guys that you almost have to go with forward because of the business of basketball. I think I talked about this on another podcast. It's not like you're letting one of those guys go. And I know there's, like, talk about, like, oh, how do we? How are you going to sign Kyrie? How are you going to have a business partnership with Kyrie when he hasn't been a good business partner? But look, man, he puts butts in the seats. People want to watch him play. He gives you a chance to win a title with KD. If you like it or not, they're going to find a way to keep Kyrie. And there's really no choice. Like, you're going to have to move forward with those two guys. And obviously, KD has already signed. And he's probably he's one of the best players in the league, if not the best player in the league. So it is I, what it is. 
I don't think he's the best player in the league anymore. Well, he's one, he, he's one of them at the least. Yeah, he's he's in the conversation. He's in. Yeah, the conversation. I mean, like he when he was healthy this year, he was at an MVP level and looked at times like the best player in the league. Um, I wouldn't say he's clearly the best player in the league anymore, but I don't think there is a player that's clearly the best player in the league right now. I don't think it's clear cut. Like, I don't think it's like a Michael Jordan or a LeBron James where we know that guy is the best player in the league. We do have to see how the rest of this playoffs, you know, uh, comes together because there's two guys that I think could make the case after this playoffs that they're clear cut best players in the league. And one's Giannis and one's Luka if they can find a way to win a championship. The Luka against Phoenix series is going to be very interesting because I think Luka's going to have his way against Phoenix. Yeah. I just don't know if he's going to get the running make that'll help them win that series because I don't think Jalen Brunson mm-hmm. is going to have as good a series against Phoenix as he had against Utah. Yeah, Spence is really good too. Like, Spence and Jalen Brunson to me are right under that all-star level in my opinion. Like, those guys are really good and as we already talked about, there's more guys like that in the league now right. because like the middle of the road player is better. But those guys are really tough, and I think they could, you know, Luka never had this before. Obviously, he had Jalen Brunson before, but he wasn't playing at this level, and I don't think he had a player. Like, Tim Hardaway Jr. is nice. Like, he can make shots, but he's not as steady as uh, Spence is, you know? So he got those two guys with him with some size and some shooting around him like Bertans and other guys there. So, man, I think they're really tough, and they have a chance, especially, you think Devin Booker is, like, fully back with that hamstring? What do you think about that? No, nah, he's not fully back. I think yeah. he's going to have to slowly work his way back, and we may not see 100% Dev until, like, middle right. of the series. Right. Um, I just think that it, the matchup gets a little tougher for them now with the versatility of what Phoenix can do defensively as opposed to Utah. You know, we've seen a year in, year out. Teams, all they do is seek out Rudy on a pick and roll and, and space Utah out, and you get a bunch of shooters on the floor. I think against Phoenix, that gets a little tougher. And also, Phoenix late-game execution is, is elite. Phoenix, if it's a close game... CP3 gets them in the right set every time. They get the perfect shot and they execute. And that and that's where it's going to change. I think Dallas is going to have to be really perfect down the stretch of those close games to be able to win. I trust Luka. We've seen it because Luka went toe-to-toe with Kawhi and Paul George in a bubble. He went toe-to-toe last year. So I know Luka's going to do his thing. Who's going to be that second and third guy who can consistently uh, keep them in the mix? Yeah, I think it's Spence and Jalen, in my opinion. It's going to have to be, right? Yeah, I think those guys have a chance to do it. And you're right. Chris Paul in the clutch is just so phenomenal. He gets his mid-range shot off so effortlessly. And obviously, he's an elite, elite playmaker as well. So you're right, man. Chris Paul could keep them in the mix. Could They're definitely still the favorites. But I wouldn't be totally surprised if the Mavs could pull out that series. And if the Mavs find a way to win it all, I mean, Luka could like clearly be the best player in the world. And then on the other end, if the Bucks find a way to win it all, which they probably have a better chance than the Mavericks, I definitely think you could start looking at a more clear cut best player in the world. But I think we have to let things shake out first. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we were in the same situation last year. We, I, I, the narrative and, and the way we talked about Giannis completely shifted after they got past Brooklyn in the second round. But to me in that series, who do you think was better, Giannis or KD? KD. Yeah. That's what think, I'm saying. That's, you know, I think KD was more consistent. Um, but again, the, the team aspect played a part. Milwaukee was able to wear him down with their team. Whereas yeah. remember, Harden was was hampered by the hamstring and he missed, I think, three games. Kyrie missed pretty much everything after game three. So he only played the first two games. Right. And then, you know, it, it was a team versus work versus KD. And it just went bad for him at that point. Um, speaking of injuries, man, Philly, we got the bad news. Embiid is going to be out. They say he might be back for game three. 
But this was going to be my favorite series of the second round because I really thought this was going to go seven. And I liked Philly to win this in seven. What has changed for you now with Embiid out? Do you think this is an easy series for Miami? Do you think it's still a competitive series? Do you think Philly can hang around until Embiid possibly comes back? I think it's going to be tough for them because Philly, I mean, because Miami is one of those teams, it's heat culture. They're not going to let their guard down just because of Embiid being out. Like they're the one team that that won't happen to because they're such a professional organization. So I think it's going to be really tough for Philly. I hope James Harden could like play really well because, you know, he gets a stigma that he can't come up in big games and he'll have to do more of the workload now with Embiid out. Man, like I never really like bought too much into that Harden stuff back in the day when they're like, he can't come up in big moments. Cause you know, I mean, he has really like, he has solid and really good playoff numbers overall. But you know what really made me concerned? That game versus the Nets this year, like that was pretty crazy. When you're playing against your old team and you don't show up like that, I mean, I kind of like started like thinking like, is the narrative right? Like, can this guy not come up in the big moments? Like that was really scary to me and really concerning. And on another level, I mean, Harden is just not the same level athlete as he used to be. Not saying he was a guy who depended on his athleticism, but his feet just don't move the same as he it used to. He's not as slim. He's not as quick. The footwork isn't as sharp. You can even see when he tries to get separation at times, it's almost like he gets in the step back, he steps back, and he can't even get the shot off in the same way he used to. He almost makes a pass after the step back at times. So, you know, Harden is not the same player. And if you don't believe me, you could just... I mean, I know people started saying now, like, wow, he's not the same player, but it's been obvious for a while. Like, if you look at his highlight tape from five years ago, like, the feet were moving at a totally different level. And um, I hope he plays well, but I don't think they have a chance against Miami with them beat out. No, nah, it's it's obvious for anybody. If you watch a little bit of basketball, he's not the same. He's yeah. A, he's a completely different player. Right. And he's, he's hunting out the fouls now because that's really his only option. Like you said, he's not really blown by anybody. He has no elevation, no explosiveness when he gets to the rim. That Brooklyn game is a prime example. Like you said, Brooklyn, Kyrie is not an elite defender. And I and, and Kyrie was in his jersey pretty much the whole first half of that game. Like Kyrie It was, was crazy. Kyrie was daring him to try to go around him. And then obviously with any with any player, when there's enough tape, you figure out how you can defend him and well, what you can well, take. Away. Well, not only that, he was with them, so he didn't need the tape. Right. He was by guarding him in practice. <laughs> right. But what I was gonna mention is one of the other things I noticed a lot too is there are a lot of swipes at at the ball with Harden when he's trying to prepare himself to go up for the layup. Like it's almost like guys know he's gonna he's gonna keep it low. That's my opportunity to swipe it away from him. You see it all the time because he can't elevate. It's not like he's he, he's never been a high flyer anyway. So he's not elevating over guys anyway. So now it's just like we're just gonna stop him before he even gets into the layup. Yeah, and the shot isn't falling like he used to. Mm -hmm. So he's not getting as much uh, gravity towards him, but he has the basketball, you know. So guys aren't as up on him as they used to be, which made it easy for him to just dance by, kind of like how Luka dances by people. Like, it used to seem effortless for Harden, right? Even if yeah. he wasn't going super fast because the threat of that shot. And he doesn't have the same threat of the shot with combination of not having as quick a feet as he used to have. It's a bad combination, but he's a totally different player. Like, he plays more like a point guard now. He used to be more of like a scoring combo guard kind of player. Now he's like really like, you know, actually the one thing that's still pretty good is the playmaking. Like he really is an elite passer, but he's not moving the same and he's not shooting the same at this point and not finishing at the rim the same and not right. getting to the line the same. So right. there's a lot going on there. I mean, still the high, the IQ is still high. It's just the oh, yeah. execution. Oh, yeah. the execution is off. Yeah. I how, how difficult will it be for Philly to have to re-sign him? 
Oh man, you, you heard about the story, right? Why they didn't resign him? What was the what's the story? So from my understanding is he was supposed to get that extension right away, but the agent faxed it in late. I I did hear something about that, but I wasn't sure like if, if that was just uh some somebody was throwing well, out. But all right, you know what? I didn't totally fact check that. So shouts to everybody listening. Go fact check that for me. But I'm pretty sure that's what happened, and that's a terrible mistake by the agent. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I kind of feel bad for the agent because that's gonna look really bad if this doesn't go well in this series, and they're like, ah, uh, I don't know, man. Like, but if you but you know, it, it, it wouldn't look good for the organization though for not for them not to fulfill that for other star players who want to come, but. We'll I agree, but if you're, if you're Philly, I think you're in a lose-lose situation. We already see the, the the decline in his game, but if you're Philly, you have to try to make this work as long as possible, right? You gave up a lot to get him. This is supposed to be Embiid's running mate. Like you can't you can't now try to look for a discount on the contract. You kind of got to give him to whatever Harden wants, and it only looks worse if he plays bad. Yeah, it's tough. You really don't have too many options, so. We'll see what develops. Um, that is a crazy mistake, right? If they didn't fax <laughs> that paper at the time. Uh, the agent is lucky he still got a job if that's the case. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully it all works out for him and Harden. I mean, we, we'll see what happens there. So you, you, you're looking at Boston, Miami, uh, Phoenix, and um, Golden State. That's how you have it? Say that again. Boston, Miami advancing, or you have Milwaukee winning that series? No, I have Boston winning that series. And then you yeah. got Golden State on the other side advancing um, to face uh, Phoenix. Yeah, I would say the Suns will win um, that series. Yep. Uh, the, the, the wild card is Devin Booker, man, how he plays. Like, if Devin Booker is not the real Devin Booker and Luka is clearly, I mean, I think Luka is still clearly the best player of that series. Like, I think when you have the best player in the series, um, it gives you a chance to win. But I'll still say the Suns right now. I like it. I like it. I, I kind of got the same thing as well. I, I mean, we're going to see. I, again, game ones to me, I don't put too much stock in game ones. To me, it's all about game two. Game two is where the adjustments are made. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Um, just like in this series, like I thought um, Milwaukee was going to win that first game and Boston will adjust and win the series. Yeah, I agree. Um, Combo, I want to give you an opportunity to take your victory lap, man. Oh, because, okay. Thanks, man. Uh, I've been known to do that. <laughs> hey, it's, listen, it's, it's well deserved, man. I, I will say this, man. Uh, from the time I met you, we started recording. We, we've done about three drafts, three NBA drafts. You've been spot on about a lot of guys coming into the league. You were the first person I heard really speak highly of, High, uh, of Bones Highland, and we saw what he's developing in, in Denver. But on your show before the season, you've always big on Scotty Barnes. You asked Scotty Barnes' rookie of the year. What makes Scotty Barnes so special, man? What is it about Scotty Barnes that we're starting to see now as fans? Oh, man. I mean, defensively, he was already ready coming into the league. And I think it's as simple as he just makes the right play over and over and over again. Like a really good pass, a really good feel for the game. They were like talking about how he wasn't the greatest athlete, but I was I thought he was a really strong and ready NBA athlete. And I did think that he was a willing shooter and that would get better as well. And I always said, like, if he becomes a willing shooter and an average to good shooter, he'll be an all star. But just amazing feel for the game. Great passer, could initiate offense, was defensive ready, defensively ready going into the league and a very high basketball IQ. And he has all that length. Um, yeah, I thought it was a no-brainer, and if I was Houston, I would have took him at two. And then I remember I seeing uh, Toronto fans that weren't happy 
that uh, they drafted him at four. And I and I I, t I think I told the fans on Twitter like, you shouldn't be unhappy. Like this is a great pick right here. So yeah, kudos to him. It's amazing to see him win rookie of the year. And I think he has a chance to be a future superstar. Him and Cade, man. I think those are two guys that are definitely going to be uh, future superstars. And you know how highly I spoke of Jalen Green. You see now he came out strong in the second half of the season with all those 30-point games. So this is just a really great draft class all around. It really has been. Uh, a lot of these guys have, have, have really shown up. And it's, it's going to be crazy to see their development. Last time we spoke as well, you had Chet Holmgren number one on your board. Is mm -hmm. that still the same or has that changed? No, nah, that's the same because still he has that. Yeah, because he has the highest ceiling, in my opinion, you know, seven, three great feel for the game, rim protection, uh, could slide his feet on the perimeter. And uh, yeah, he has also some like people compared to like Porzingis, but I feel like he has like a little more in his bag, a little more junk in his game. Like he got those fadeaways in the mid post. Um, basketball is a skill sport. He's super skilled. He's long. I think the biggest criticism of him is that he's skinny. Yeah, he's really skinny, but we've seen a lot of really skinny guys come into the league and be just fine. I could think of Dirk. I could think of KD. I could think of KG. I could think of a lot of guys who are skinny. Not saying he'll be those guys, but I don't think it's the end-all be-all when we're talking about a guy who has that type of length and that type of skill set. Right. Um, who's a guy we should be paying attention to? Who, who's, who's somebody that you don't hear enough uh, being mentioned or talked about? I think the G League Ignite guys, Jaden Hardy. Um He's kind of of that mold, like a Jalen Green and Anthony Edwards, where he could just get his shot off whenever he wants. He got the separation. He got the shot-making ability. Um, he's not the athlete those two guys are, but he's really good on three levels. He could start, stop. He could, uh, he's like almost like a four-level scorer. Like he got the floater game. He'd get all the way to the basket. He got the mid-range. He got the three. And on top of all that, uh, he's an underrated passer. So... Yeah, I think he's going to be really good, and he's getting slept on a little bit. Uh, Dyson Daniels is a really steady player in the G League Ignite, who, um, if his shooting comes around, I think he has really solid to all-star potential. So he's another guy that I think people are sleeping on. He'll probably go middle of the first round. And Bochamp is another really good guy from the G League Ignite. So I think people are sleeping on those G League Ignite guys all around. Mm -hmm. Something to keep an eye on. Obviously, we're we going to get into the draft as we get a little closer to that time as well. But definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, I wanted to ask you, too, some young guys that you think are going to take that next step going into next year. Because we always hear the debates. I don't know if you see it. There was a recent, um, like, meme slash poll going around. Um, basically talking about they, they had four players listed. They had Maxi, Poole, R.J. Barrett, Tyler Hero. Remove one of those four, basically, with the, with the poll. So that's why I want to ask you, what mm -hmm. young guys do you think are taking that step going into next season? I mean, I would rate it Poole, Maxi. Oh, it's tough between RJ and Tyler. I'm glad you said that because I, people look at me crazy when I when I say it's, it's debatable between those two. Oh, they it's think debatable. It's a, home, it's, a home, it's, a, it's a homer statement. No, that's not a homer statement because I like the way Tyler Hero plays basketball, but I don't think he has a higher ceiling than RJ Barrett, you know? Like, RJ could, like, uh, RJ could probably, there's a chance he could be that guy who you just give him the basketball, that he could be, like, a one or two on a really good team. I don't think Tyler has that potential. Um, Tyler's more like, he's like a hooper. Like, he doesn't, he can't really, like, set the table, but he's just going to get you buckets, and he can only play one way going straight ahead at you. 
So he's like an effortless scorer, but I think RJ has a higher ceiling to be like a top guy on a good team than a Tyler Hero. But it's really close between them two. I like them both. To me, I, I like them both as well. I, I give the edge to RJ, not just because he's a Nick. I just like his versatility. I think Tyler Hero also, and this isn't a knock on him, you know, it's where you get drafted is where you get drafted. But he has the, the benefit of more help. He comes off the bench for a playoff caliber team. And as you mentioned, he's allowed to just play one way. He can just take the ball. He can hoop. If he shoots two for 11, no big deal. If he goes off and, and gives you 25 off the bench, great. RJ's being relied on as a number two guy on a team that's trying to develop. So there's more pressure on RJ, right? He, he's yeah. seeing quality defenders every time he's on the court. He doesn't have another guy who can bail him out. It's it's on RJ to figure out, like you said, because the Knicks want him to be the number two on that team. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, RJ can't do what Tyler does and Tyler can't do what RJ does. Like, they're right. really different. Like, if you put RJ and Tyler's situation off the bed, he can't just he can't just get buckets like Tyler in that type of way, like quick hitting buckets like Tyler could get. He's more like RJ's the kind of guy he's of the mold of somebody that you kind of have to build around. Is he good enough to be that? It's only time will tell. I'm, I'm going to cut that clip just just so I can show people that combo agreed with me. <laughs> people need to know, man, because they think I'm just saying that because I'm a Nick fan. No, I think they're both really good. They're just so different. It's hard, but it is close between those two. It is close between those two. I agree. Uh, combo, man, before we wrap up, because I, I don't want to take up too much of your time, man. I wanted to get your thoughts on some of these games. I want to have you back for the draft. We got another uh, project we're going to get. We're going to work on, but we'll talk about that off air. Um, obviously, combos course streaming across all major platforms. What else you got going on right now? Um, Believe in Magic podcast with Max Van Auken. I do a lot of live shows with Coach Nick, B-Ball Breakdown, YouTube channel. You catch me on Instagram, one two combo O-N-E-T-O-B-O-C-O-M-B-O. And as you said, Combo's Court, same name as the podcast. Catch me on Twitter at Combo's Court. Uh, same name as the podcast. Actually, I meant for Twitter. So, yeah, man. And also on the Eric Sanchez show. I'm here, yeah, man. And and um, you been you start, I see you've been doing a, a Friday Night Lights as well. Oh, yeah. Pierre, through the wire. He was just on the podcast. Yeah, definitely. Um, we do that on Twitter Spaces. So follow me on uh, on Twitter, Combos Court. You can follow Pierre, Pee Wee the Plug. So yeah, catch us there. Pierre has a great podcast called Through the Wire. And we've been doing Friday Night Lights for a while. We started on Instagram Live and now we do it on Twitter Spaces. We try and go every Friday. Once in a while, we miss a Friday, but it's a lot of fun. Twitter Spaces is a great platform. That's what it is, man. Like I said, we're going to have you back. We're going to talk draft. Uh, we'll probably get into some other playoff matchups as we get a little deep into the playoffs man but combo i really appreciate you man and uh, we're gonna do it again real soon most definitely thank you so much for having you on as i said it's always great talking basketball with a true professional such as yourself thanks so much and talk soon man i appreciate that man hey for my man combos court this is eric sanchez this is the sanchez show we out of here we out